Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Loners League podcast. This is your host, Wolfman27, and with me today I have SamFran23. How you doing, Sam? Great. How are you, Wolfie? Uh, pretty good myself, you know, just winding down Wednesday, middle of the week. I'm looking forward to the weekend where we can get some football games going. Amen to that. Looking forward to it. Yeah, great to have you on. So you live out in Iowa, is that right? Yes, sir. Um, just uh, up in northeast Iowa, about, um, I don't know, roughly about four hours from the Twin Cities and about like six to Milwaukee. So just kind of uh, a decent area if you're trying to get out and see some football games, actually. Yeah, I've been out to Iowa a few times. Let me know, do you just get used to the smell of pigs outside all the time? Because whenever I go there, that's all I can smell. Oh, yeah. It's uh, um, essentially based on which way the wind is blowing and how close you are to uh, the uh, giant um, pig encampments where they have uh, just abnormal amount of like livestock and pigs and cows and all that good stuff. And yeah, you uh, drive by on the wrong day with the wind blowing in your face and it's uh, pretty unbearable. So, um, I mean, I definitely, well, I actually am living on a farm and so, um, kind of getting, you know, I've been used to the smell for probably some like, uh, 20 some years now, but I mean, I could definitely see how anybody from, you know, any other place on planet earth would drive by and be like, good Lord, what is that smell? That is awful. So we got plenty of places like that out in Wisconsin too. Uh, but it, I was just out there this past winter. Uh, my brother went to Iowa State and he graduated then. Oh, I'm so, sorry to yeah, I know you're the Hawkeyes <laughs> fan, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I am. That is awesome, though. Iowa State is a great school, though. It is. I actually almost went there. Ended up not. I went to Illinois State instead. Uh, the two different ISUs there. I was choosing between yeah, the uh, Redbirds. That's right. Yeah, the Redbirds. And then okay. for some reason, Iowa State also has a red bird as their mascot even though they're the cyclones never really made much sense to me but okay uh, yeah we don't put the uh iq level of things uh in that part of the state anyways so but, yeah uh, <laughs> no um uh, the uh the ironic part about illinois state is you and i the i live in cedar falls iowa uh the home to the uni panthers the northern iowa panthers and um Illinois State is actually in their conference, and so um, I'm usually seeing uh, a couple Illinois State basketball games or football games a couple, or whenever they come to Cedar Falls to play. So Yeah, they're, the football games, you know, never were really anything special for us. I mean, we did have Cam Meredith, and he was relevant for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. I but, do remember that once upon a time. But our, our basketball team was okay. I mean, they weren't anything crazy, but they were pretty decent. Yeah, I loved going to watch them because they usually played you and I really well. And you and I, like me being a Hawkeye fan, I kind of just, to, I went to more spite the Panthers and, you know, cheer when they were losing. So, I was a Redbird fan on those days. So. Yeah, great. And then I just wanted to know, since we got everyone else's origin story, when did you start getting into football? And then to more of an extent, when did you get into fantasy? Well, I grew up playing football. I uh, I actually did. I think I was probably fourth or fifth grade, you know, when you do the whole Pop Warner deal. That was awesome. I loved it. And um, I played like with pretty solid intentions of um, like 
you know, going to high school and playing um, a good bit of safety and cornerback, which I ended up doing, but not exactly to the level I wanted to as um, I was more of a, a soccer player and ended up getting uh, um, quite verbal uh, talking to when I was telling them, oh, yeah, I uh, play football and hockey in my spare time. And they're like, well, uh, if you're trying to uh, keep your knees in the shape they are, we would recommend maybe not doing that. So. Um, I, I uh, took a little bit of a hiatus later in high school um, playing football, but I um, actually ended up like coaching um, during my uh, when I was in college. Actually, I coached back at the high school that I went to and was a D backs coach and all that good stuff. And now I'm helping out with a middle school around here, and so I've had really kind of football ties my entire life. But um, yeah, I, the uh, the fantasy football side of things actually were a lot more recent though i uh i never really ever did fantasy football growing up like i i really had a lot of friends who did it and they were head and shoulders above you know like the the level that i thought i could be you know going in there because you see all these guys who are crunching numbers and you know looking at a ridiculous amount of stats and you know like player schedules and you know every little facet and detail of, you know, football, you know, what essentially we're doing now. And, uh, I was just, I psyched myself out. I told myself, you know, I don't know if I could do that and, uh, put it off until actually after college. And I, uh, I think it was probably four years ago now, or maybe going on five years, but I, uh, I don't know. I had a close friend of mine who I just kind of broke down and swallowed my pride and was just like, Hey, you know, I, really i i love watching football like i would love to get that much more knowledge on it you know i i obviously know kind of the defensive scheme aspect of things and it kind of helps in factoring in uh you know wide receiver cornerback matchups and all that good stuff but i mean it's uh i will forever be thankful for that friend for um stepping up and you know putting in time and effort to teach me really everything that I know now um you know just kind of the basics about what you're you know going through when you're doing the fantasy um, <laughs> you know ins and outs so it was uh yeah it's been awesome since then though I mean last year was the first year I um ever won a championship or anything and so it's uh like it's been fun having the ups and downs and uh actually having a an up <laughs> one of these years so yeah. Well, congrats on that championship. Isn't it the best feeling ever? Oh my gosh, it is. It uh it very much is. And especially it was actually in the league with the guy that ended up or who was the one who really taught me like most of all I know about fantasy football. And so I kind of felt a little guilty <laughs> about I I beat him in the championship and it was just like the uh young Padawan uh, story, but uh, you know. Yeah, student versus teacher. Yep, young grasshopper, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was it was pretty awesome though. I gotta say that that is really cool story. Yeah, I don't even remember my first year playing fantasy. To be honest, I think it was probably maybe early college years for me. But even then, it wasn't like it is now, where you know, I I think we all when we first started, unless we had that person to help us, all kind of gravitated like taking a quarterback in the first round. I think that's just <laughs> yeah. like a normal novice move that everyone just like, oh yeah, quarterback's the most important player on the team and they put up a ton of points. Why wouldn't you grab him in the first round? Oh yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. You, and then you take him and then everybody, uh, you know, sitting around is like, wow, this guy. <laughs> and, but, uh, no, I, I totally, totally know what you mean. It is the, uh, man, I will never forget kind of the, the first, you know, um, back when everybody was live drafting and, um, you know, this is even before, you know, I had wanted to actually, you know, go through the knowledge part of it. And I remember sitting in and they were like, oh, yeah, you can draft with us if you want to. Like, we'll give you a team. Just throw us some money. And I paid. And I remember I like my first pick was, I think it was Aaron Rodgers, but it was like early, early, early in, in his career. Like, it was the year before he actually started, you know, kind of, uh, progressing into he was and uh so while there's you know probably 60 70 players on the board above him i'm taking this random quarterback that nobody knows because i'm a biased packer fan so yeah i will uh, i'll never forget the uh looks i got that day but yeah who uh yeah you know it's that exactly like you said you know you think oh hey well if it's a quarterback they're gonna score a ton of points you know why would i not take them with my first pick come on I've seen worse than that. Uh, not in the league I was in, but just this year, my brother in his fantasy league with his friends, I don't know if the guy was new or what, but he was like, this guy took Mitch Trubisky at number 12. And I'm like, like the 12th quarterback no. off the board. And like 12th quarterback's not bad. He goes, no, like the 12th pick overall, like back of the first <laughs> round. <laughs> I was like, that, I don't know how you could. That was before Mahomes, before anyone. Uh, That's just crazy. Oh, sure. Even if you That's, were high on Trubisky, you could have waited until like after the draft. Right. I mean, we could have given that uh, same advice to the Bears organization, you know, after uh, taking him second overall. But um, yeah, it's uh, that's 12th overall, 12th overall pick for Trubisky is quite the. Uh, Ooh, yeah, he's probably not um, enjoying the, uh, you know, streaming quarterback after, you know, taking your first round pick and probably sitting him for most weeks as of now. Well, especially with him being injured, of course. But yeah, and I think he took Tony Pollard in the fourth round and he didn't even draft Zeke. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, I'm pretty sure I don't know what his record is, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess 0 and 5. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I'm wondering if he's got a dub this season. But, hey, we're, uh, we, you might need to do some research on that team and have that be our dark horse of the year. So just yeah. watch. Trubisky comes back from his injuries. Super great. And Zeke gets hurt. And this guy has, like, the best team in the league now. So At that point, he's so far in the hole that he's really just playing upset, though. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, then, let's get into the trades here before we go too long, and just so we can cover everything we need to and then talk about whatever else comes up along the way. So we only had a couple of trades within the last week, both involving Deep South Thrift, and uh, both were kind of interesting. I'm going to save yours for a second. So let's look at the one between Deep South Thrift and Fisher Sports. Fisher Sports gives up Zach Ertz, David Johnson, and Geronimo Allison. And Deep South Thrift gives up the best player in fantasy right now, Christian McCaffrey. What are your thoughts on that? I I have a few thoughts on that. 
um, I think you said it well when you said the best player in fantasy football is Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, it's kind of uh, a bit of a head scratcher. Um, you know, I mean, I understand um, with how our league is kind of going, it's nice to kind of get involved in the, the trades and everything. And um, it's definitely tempting when you kind of see, you know, those players that you kind of have higher values on and um, deep deep south actually mentioned it himself um, you know he did get decent value for it being a three for one I mean yes obviously C-Mac is C-Mac and it's uh, you know it's pretty hard to uh, find any value that's remotely close to uh, really what he's worth but I mean if you are going to go that route and if you know, he was feeling uncomfortable with where his team was at. Understand, I guess, taking, you know, a very valuable asset and trading for what he saw as, you know, three decent enough values to kind of, uh, you know, just bulk up his team a little bit, if if you will. So I don't want to knock him too much here, but at the time, this was before he made his trade with you. So he still had... Austin Hooper and Mark Andrews on his team. So he really didn't need Zach Ertz at all. And then nothing against David Johnson. I mean, David Johnson's still great, but that's obviously a downgrade from Christian McCaffrey. And then Geronimo Allison is, I mean, I love Geronimo. I'm sure we both love Geronimo, but as far as fantasy goes, even with Devontae Adams out last week, I know we, we were more running the ball, but He's still kind of a boomer bust type player because it's switching off between him and MVS. So it on paper looks okay, but in the context of how his team was already set up, I think he just loses on that one. And I don't know why he would be uncomfortable because he was blowing everyone out of the water through the first few weeks there. Oh, I know. I, uh, I had him pegged as kind of the team to beat for a while um just especially for like the first two or three weeks just with how dynamic his team was um, you know it's pretty unreal um you know anybody lucky enough to draft in the first you know three picks get a guy like McCaffrey and watching him get anywhere from 24 to 27 touches a game it's really kind of a, histor- a historical thing that we're seeing, um, you know, obviously that's not a common occurrence. And, you know, I would, I pray that McCaffrey can stay healthy through this and not get worn down. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, um, I don't know. I like, like I said, I, I, I do understand, you know, if he was thinking that, you know, maybe his team was going to start like tapering off or if he had seen kind of, um, you know, some, weaker spots on his team that he needed to address. But honestly, I thought he had a very, very well-rounded team. Um, and sometimes like my mantra, I guess, if you will, is usually just to try to, uh, like, I love trading, but you always have to have those certain values for certain players and you got to know their worth. And essentially like, it's hard to, even if you know, you're going to get, you know, multiple players back, just knowing that you're essentially taking a hit on a guy who scores anywhere from 25 to 35 to 45 fantasy points a week, even in, you know, half point scoring is, you know, it's 
pretty astronomical. You know, I later down the road, I'm sure that, you know, the, uh, the players that he picked up and the fact that he does have, you know, two pretty dynamic tight ends still, um, and can, you know, flex one and actually play one, you know, that is handy, but, you know, definitely, uh, definitely did give up a, a sizable chunk with, uh, McCaffrey to say the least. So. Yeah, I will give him some credit because one of the weaknesses on his team was his bench depth. So this does help address that a little bit here. Uh, But I'm not going to dwell on it too much because he has another trade coming up. But before we leave this one, Fisher's sports team is looking pretty good now. He's shaping up to be the team to beat, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, let's see. He's got Julio Jones, Amari Cooper... Marquise Brown at wide receiver, and he's got Tyreek Hill coming back soon. Then he's got Christian McCaffrey at running back, Damian Williams, who's been decent enough. And uh, I guess he is kind of short on running back depth a little bit, but he doesn't really need it when he's well-rounded everywhere else. Yeah, right. Um, Definitely uh, glad I did not end up um, trading him. Uh, either James Conner or um, Aaron Jones, who I was about to actually um, literally minutes before uh, the trade of McCaffrey to his team got accepted. Um, we were actually working on a three-way trade with uh, Adam Jeffrey and uh, uh, Fisher Sports. And, um, oh man, I wish I could remember the specifics of it, but it was really actually just about the most plausible three-way trade that um, I've seen. And um, it was waiting on being accepted by uh, um, Adam Jeffrey. And um, all of a sudden I get this notification that Christian McCaffrey had just been traded. And I was a little uh, surprised to see it was Fisher Sports who was on the receiving end of that one. But uh, who would have thought anybody else but the tradesman? So. Yeah, he's always got like 10 trades in the works. Right. I was just going to say, I'm sure he wakes up every morning and it's just like, you know, who am I going to steal off this guy's team today? And just shoots out probably, I bet, one offer per team per day. So, and I love that some of them are just, they make no sense at all, but what's it going to hurt, right? They're just going to reject the right. trade. So he just sends them all and then maybe some will hit. He's just stirring the pot. Right, exactly. Or at least getting a negotiation going, like if that'll right. get the person to respond back. Uh, exactly. But we spent enough time on that trade. Let's look at the one between you and Deep South. So you traded Deep South, Tyler Lockett, who we know he was, he's been a huge fan of Tyler Lockett. Just you can tell in the chat, he's been telling everyone, try and trade for Tyler Lockett for all their other leagues and things like that. Right. Um, he also got James Conner. And Royce Freeman. So we got a little bit more running back depth to go along with David Johnson after giving away his star running back. And then in return, you got the tight end you were looking for in getting Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. And then I would consider it an upgrade from Tyler Lockett to Keenan Allen. I think that Allen is a tier above Lockett. I think Lockett's a great player and he definitely has the ability to boom on certain weeks. But Keenan Allen sometimes feels like the only receiver in San Diego or sorry, Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> I'm right. still not used to that. Um, for the, they are. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, other than Austin Eckler, who saw like an absurd amount of targets last week, but uh, 15, so, actually. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, so Austin <laughs> Eckler, as he showed last week, he's still going to be a viable flex option, even with Gordon coming back. Gordon's going to get more work than he did last week, but he's still a nice running back to have. And it's not like he's your RB one because you still have uh, Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry too. Yeah, I definitely was very, very happy to work that one out. Um, I very much agree on Keenan Allen being an upgrade from Lockett. I think that, like you said, Lockett is a great receiver, as he obviously proved against the uh, what was that the Rams last week, where he had that um, ridiculous grab uh, in the corner of the end zone. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean the guy is an absolute athlete. He's obviously also one of um, Russell's favorite targets, and Russell having really an MVP season already. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's easy to see where he has that, like, infatuation with, with Lockett. I mean, he's, you know, why not? Um, and I think that the other thing that kind of factored into him giving um, Keenan away was the fact that um, over the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been playing to his you know, level of potential. But, you know, obviously you try to kind of, uh, while well, those, you know, star players are kind of in the doldrums, you, you know, trade while their value is low and so um i was just like okay you know i figured it'd be fair to kind of go try to do that trade there and then um um you know lock it for uh alan and then um i really i figured regardless of melvin gordon being back or not that you know like you said he's gonna stay a flex option with the fact that he is going to be the passing down back and you know, with the ridiculous amount of checkdowns that they do. Um, and I mean, they're, I wouldn't, I guess, PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus wouldn't de- or declare them as checkdowns so much as um, designed running back passes, if you will. But at the same time, whatever you want to call him, he's getting all of them. I mean, what, 15 last week is ridiculous. And he's averaged, I think, around like 10 or 11. Um, regardless. And so it's, uh, even with a, it being a half point league, you know, it, it's very hard to, you know, ignore that kind of, uh, volume. And, um, even knowing that, you know, well, you also said it very well in the fact that, you know, Keenan Allen is really one of the main receiving targets, if not the only with, you know, Mike Williams, not having the greatest year besides, you know, he played well this last week, but, um, you know, he's really, been underperforming so leaving Keenan Allen you know really by himself Austin Eckler has been giving them really a, a very healthy option um, you know out of the backfield a safe option um, to be getting some pretty astronomical numbers and I you know he's obviously been putting in some pretty crazy work for them uh, regardless even you know on the ground too but um, yeah it's uh, I'm definitely hoping that um, He's going to be able to continue that work through the air, at least, regardless of uh, Melvin getting, obviously, a lot more uh, um, actual rushing work in the next coming weeks. So, you know, it was kind of a bummer, honestly. I I do like Royce Freeman a fair bit, and it was a little disappointing to give him away in exchange, um, along with James Conner, who um, I am not as high on anymore just with that offense really sputtering with injuries and stuff. But I guess uh, 
the it was okay to get rid of Royce when I did because um, Phil Lindsay is really really coming on as obviously you know pretty well having him on your squad. Um, you know that's uh, obviously anytime that Lindsay's going to be playing that much better, you know it's going to be hurting or taking away from uh, uh, Freeman's value a little bit. So. Right. I think Freeman will see a little bit more value as it goes on. Uh, we saw in that Packers game when he injured his shoulder, he had a touchdown that was called back. He could have had almost as good a day as Lindsey did uh, because yeah. Lin- Lindsey ended up getting the touchdown on that same drive where that where it was called back for Freeman. So I think that, I mean, it's a solid pickup. His running backs are really strong now, depth-wise. With David Johnson, James Conner, Royce Freeman, and he still has Carryon Johnson, who is now past his bye week too. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely helpful there. So he went from having this huge, high-scoring starting lineup to now he's actually really well balanced and has more depth on his bench. So the trades, all in all, weren't the the end of the world for Deep South. I think he's still going to be a team to be reckoned with. Definitely. I would agree. All right. And this uh, kind of segues perfectly into the matchups because you actually faced Deep South Thrift this week. So we can kind of see how at least the first week after these trades turned out. And it turned out really well for you. You were the best manager on the week. You set your best possible lineup, had the highest score in the league. And you had the running back of the week with Aaron Jones going crazy, getting 45.7 points. And you also overachieved your projections, obviously. So pretty much everything went right. For the first time yet in this league, yes, yes, things finally, finally came together. And uh, obviously with that four touchdown performance with AJ, that uh, that didn't didn't exactly hurt things so well it hurt Aaron Rodgers a little bit who scored under 10 points uh, how yeah. do you feel about Rodgers fantasy wise um well uh I love the guy I am not thrilled about his fantasy performances um I think that unfortunately he's going to be kind of a, a matchup dependent play because the running game is coming on a little bit more strong for the Packers and he essentially doesn't need to, you know, waste those throws by, you know, essentially throwing into, you know, some tougher defenses when we can, or tougher secondaries when we can, you know, essentially run the ball, kind of uh, move away from that offense that was really only able to uh, run verticals and, you know, crossing routes and essentially not be able to, um, move the ball very much because defenses were really keen on, you know, what we're going to do regardless of the fact that we have a a freak of nature at QB. But um, I really truly do think that Aaron unfortunately is going to really remain dependent on kind of who they're playing and if it's going to be a, you know, a closer game or um, if the, you know, a defending or opposing teams, uh, little slacking in their secondary because we've seen, you know, he's even this year, he's, he's put up some, uh, or at least a decent game against uh, Philly where he had, he threw for over like 420 yards and had a couple touchdowns. He has a decent ceiling. The The problem is when he is scoring under 10 points anytime, that's rough. And had I not obviously had, um, you know, Aaron Jones scoring me, you know, like 40 points and Mike Thomas also going off and um, putting up 35, you know, 
I definitely could have been in some trouble. So, yeah. So that pretty much covers your side of things. Really, like you said, it was Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, nothing new. He only knows how to throw two yard passes to Michael Thomas, and it doesn't matter because they win that way. Exactly. And <laughs> so Michael Thomas has still been great, even with Breeze out. And on the opposite side of things, Deep South Thrift, he pretty much had the exact opposite week that you did. He earned the worst manager on the week by setting up the worst lineup compared to his bench. He was below his expectations for the projections by the most. The lowest scorer on the week with 92.44 points. And he also left Russell Wilson on the bench. And Wilson almost hit 30 points on the week. Yeah, he actually, uh, I was looking at the points he left on his bench, and he would have been uh, a lot, lot closer to, uh, you know, close to the score that I, I, obviously I had a very lucky week, and 160 is a pretty high score, but I he would have, I think, been well over 120 with his final score if he would have been, um, you know, playing like Russell and a few of the other guys that he had benched, so. Yeah, well, he's got to be a little bit worried about Emmanuel Sanders, who, since that Bears game that he went off, hasn't really done too much. Out of the last three weeks, he's had two games where he was under three fantasy points. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with Emmanuel Sanders? Um, I would, well, especially if I was him, I would be probably playing Michael Gallup over Manny for the foreseeable future until, you know, you get that kind of resurgence game um, from Manny because he's, um, Sanders is, you know, he's a capable receiver and he's, um, you know, he's had a few okay games this season so far, but he, uh, you know, when his ceiling is as low as, you know, under three points, he really got a kind of, temper expectations and wonder if the risk is really worth the reward. And so, um, you know, obviously it was one, it's been one game since Gallup has been back, um, you know, off injury, but, you know, with him putting up seven catches for 113 yards and a score, you got to think that you're going to be looking at, you know, other places. And obviously our waiver wire is uh pretty bone dry you know what really makes me angry about michael gallup is that i really i don't have him in any league and i really wanted to try and buy him low coming back from injury against pretty decent packers secondary so of course first game back from injury he's going to have a great game and no one is going to sell him low. oh yeah no not at all yeah he seems to be the real deal every game he's been in he's been good so you got to figure every week Tyler Lockett, Michael Gallup are going to be in the lineup for Deep South going forward. Yep, I would definitely have to agree. Yeah, between David Johnson, James Conner, on Johnson, he can run out those three running backs every week too, and it's really just a matter of that wide receiver three is his weakest spot right now between Emmanuel Sanders and Allison. And Sanders could still turn it back around. We know he can do it, but just those two weeks where he scored bar- barely anything is just... A lot of reason for concern. Definitely. Agreed. All right. I think we spent enough time looking at your matchup. Uh, let's go to the closest one on the week between Phonet and Adam Jeffrey. So this one was decided by less than two points. 
and it had a pretty dramatic conclusion. So going into the Chiefs-Colts game, Fonette had no one left to play, and Adam Jeffrey had Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, and Harrison Butker. All they had to do was score, what, like 18 points or so combined? And then Sammy Watkins, injured first play, leaves the game, gets zero. Uh, Travis Kelsey only gets nine points. And then Harrison Budker only gets seven. So Adam Jeffrey ends up losing for the fourth week in a row. And Fonette stays undefeated, even with two players goosing between Mike Evans and Greg Olson. So he ended up changing his team name to the Untitled Goose Game. That's, that is quite the name. I uh, I was very, very surprised to see him. When I saw Mike Evans posting that zero, I was just thinking there's no way, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins playing Atlanta on the other side, and um, Deshaun, you know, about to have the game he was going to have, um, you know, I figured things would come through and Adam Jeffrey was going to get his second win. But, uh, yeah, that uh, the... Uh, Goose really took the cake on this one, I think. That was, uh, you know, it's hard to compete when you've got Matt Ryan putting up, you know, the sets that he did. He had a very nice game, and um, Camara was serviceable, not his finest, but definitely, you know, close to 14 points. And, um, you know, he, the it's crazy that the, uh, the Pats defense has really been putting up the points that they have, but, you know, that's uh, very, very sound defense all around so you know them getting him 14 as well definitely um helped things also so and then adam jeffrey did have the running back bench warmer of the week josh jacobs josh jacobs got 27.8 points and you can't even fault him for benching jacobs because it was the raiders against the bears defense who no one's been able to run that well on the Bears defense, and you expect the Bears to be in the lead most of that game where they wouldn't be able to run. But there's a huge upset. Jacobs had a huge game. It sucks for Adam Jeffrey, but at least there's the good news that he can rely on Jacobs going forward to pair up with Melvin Gordon pretty nicely. Very true. I uh, I was just as surprised as I think... Um everyone who follows football was with uh, the outcome of uh, Jacob's game. And honestly, really the outcome of the uh, game as a whole with Oakland uh, winning that, honestly, I, you know, they, they're not a bad team, but at the same time, Chicago's defense really can win them games, you know, at will, as long as, you know, Khalil is playing on game and, you know, they're, uh, they're coming together, but um, they really shut, uh, Mac down and um, that showed, you know, obviously with uh, 27 points from Jacobs and, uh, you know, two touchdowns, 123 yards and 26 carries, you know, that's a lot of work. And I mean, they were just feeding him and really Chicago had no answer for it. So I keep saying this, but I still think Adam Jeffrey is bound to come back and actually be a player in this league because just looking at his team once everything gets on the same page and starts rolling, it's kind of scary because DeAndre Hopkins, besides week one, has gotten off to a slow start. He's arguably the best receiver in the league, 
And he's got Deshaun Watson, so he's got the stack between the two. Deshaun Watson obviously had a huge game. He was the quarterback of the week. And then you start to talk about Melvin Gordon, obviously first game back. They didn't use him as much as they will use him, and we know Melvin Gordon's a stud. Josh Jacobs, after his bye week this week, will be in there every single week. And he's got the best tight end, Travis Kelsey, who's also off to a slow start. And I think Alshon Jeffrey will end up being a pretty solid wide receiver also. I think that he could just as easily turn this around and go on a four-game winning streak after that four-game losing streak. Definitely. I would agree very much. He, uh, he's he got enough um, enough depth depth there to really uh, make a, a comeback. And the fact that, you know, like you said, Deshaun and DeAndre as a stack is really going to be whenever those two start clicking, he's going to be... Uh, you know, really a tough team to beat. So, yeah. And then on the other side, Fonet still undefeated, even if it wasn't a spectacular week, he likes to talk about how he gets lucky, which sure he did get lucky this week and he did a couple other weeks too, but it's not like he didn't earn all of his wins. He still has a really solid team around him. His weakest spot is probably the wide receiver depth and the tight end. Between Greg Olson goosing him and O.J. Howard still disappointing every week. Mm-hmm. But uh, Matt Breida there on his bench had a huge game, 26.4 points. And combine that with Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, who have both gotten off to... Well, Alvin Kamara has had a couple really good weeks and then a couple solid weeks. But you expect him to start doing better when Breeze comes back too. And yep. Ingram's gotten off to a better start than any of us anticipated. Oh, yeah. I uh, um, was just looking at Mark Ingram's numbers and the fact that he's, I believe, getting the most um, goal line carries out of anybody in the league right now. So um, I believe as long as he stays healthy and, uh, you know, that Baltimore offense stays, you know, really um, potent and moving down the field, he's going to really stay a viable option. And, you know, like you said, with Breeze coming back, that's only going to boost Kamara's numbers, you know. Yeah, and I actually wouldn't be surprised. Fonet's not made any trades yet, which is fine. He hasn't needed to, obviously, being undefeated. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him. He's got a lot of usable running backs. Maybe he tries to flip one of those into another decent wide receiver to pair with Mike Evans. Yeah, I uh, I would implore him to uh, send me uh, Mark Ingram, and I could send him uh, something juicy back. So we'll see how that works out. Give him Michael Thomas, and he's got the whole Saints team. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I, when Drew comes back, that would be a pretty uh, dangerous team. So, Yeah, so maybe don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe Mikey T is going to stay with me. So I wish I had Michael Thomas right now currently. I actually tried to trade you for him. For him I and did. Aaron Jones right before they both had a huge week. Yep. And you actually were not the only one. I was very close to trading him, and I'm trying to remember who I was about to trade him to for pennies on the dollar. But, um, yeah, very much glad I didn't. So, Yeah, can you imagine if you made that trade with me instead of with Deep South and you didn't get those two blow-up weeks? I'm assuming you'd be jumping off that deck. Yeah, the the deck is uh, definitely would be high on the list of uh, places to be after if I would have uh, made that 
poor, poor decision. So. All right. Well, I'm happy for you that you didn't. You're winning two games in a row now after starting 0-3. You're in our big group of two and three teams that we have going on right now. We're still oh, yes. all pretty bunched together, really. Let's go on. Let's look at Giambrosa versus 4-4 found. This was another really close game. So... This one also was going into that Chiefs game. A lot of people ended up benefiting from the Chiefs not exploding like they usually do because Giambrosa needed Pat Mahomes to have a less than Pat Mahomes night, which he did. He only got 18.54 on the day. So 404 found ended up coming just short, losing by just about four points. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a rough one. And the fact that... Uh... Honestly, he was very lucky to have Mahomes put up even the numbers that he did because it came out that he actually suffered a high ankle sprain, which is the same injury that put Saquon out for, you know, multiple weeks. So, um, you know, it's uh, we're I'm sure he's crossing fingers that Mahomes is going to be fine, which I'm sure. Well, I haven't seen any, uh, you know, reports on him, you know, about to miss extended time or anything like that. but. But, um, yeah, he, uh, you know, also was at the unfortunate end of some underperforming players um, with Ebron getting him uh, 1.3 points um, and uh, Ty Ty Williams actually goose-egging him. So that was... uh, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure Williams didn't play, uh, which... Pretty sure you're right. I think that's the second week in a row now that uh, 404 found. I know it was a late decision. He's in the UK. He's he, that was game was in London. He has no excuse. No excuse there. <laughs> no excuse this week. 404. I, it would have been ironic if he was there and just was like, "Oh wait, no, I have that guy in my team, and he's not in pads." What? Yeah, I think this is like the one London game he did not get tickets to, based off of what he was saying in chat. So that is disappointing because of how close the game was. If he started someone over Tyrell, he may have won. Like if he went with Mohamed Sanu, the old trusty, boring Mohamed Sanu would have won him the game. Definitely, it was uh, it was lucky right across the uh, the matchup though. Phil Dorsett was started by Giambrosa, who was also ruled out at game time and was still started. So. Um, I don't know if Giambrosa did that on purpose, but yeah, yep, just canceled out there. So, And then Giambrosa actually did get a great night on Monday from Kittle to seal that win. Uh, Kittle put up 17.8 points and was actually the tight end of the week, which tells you it wasn't that great of a week for tight ends this week, and it usually isn't, though. Yeah, tight end is painful this year, to say the least. I really have had some issue well especially before i made that trade with deep south i uh i really was scrambling every week for you know the safest quote unquote options for uh for tight end but you know they were really slim pickings um uh you had a very good pickup this week with just about the only you know an actual viable scoring option as opposed to just somebody with kind of a safe floor so yeah, and I I needed him because luckily the news came just in time before waivers ran about Evan Ingram going to be out this week. Yeah, and my I have T.J. Hawkinson also who's still on concussion protocol. He doesn't play till Monday, so I kind of had to make that move. I just edged out Fonette um, 
a little spoiler alert for waivers later. Uh, but I managed to pick up Gerald Everett, so I'm pretty happy with that because otherwise I'd be in a pretty tough spot at that position. And then uh, on Giambrosa's side, he also had the wide receiver benchwarmer of the week with DJ Chark, who had a huge game, 32.4 points. I love DJ Chark. I've complained about this multiple times, me just losing to Giambrosa, uh, bidding for DJ Chark earlier in the season. And he just seems to be Minshew's favorite target and seems to be the real deal. How do you feel about him? I think uh, DJ Shark is amazing, honestly. I love watching him play. He's uh, an incredibly um, polished route runner. And the fact that he has this rapport with a a very good, um, surprising to say, a very good vertical quarterback um, in Minshew. I mean, Minshew doesn't have... a cannon of an arm as we saw with his uh, um, attempt at a Hail Mary that he put about five yards short of the end zone at the end of their game last <laughs> week. Inside of the opponent's 40, he's got very good range and can put some very good uh, placement on his passes. And with a guy who's got speed and uh, route running abilities like Shark, you know, it's very, very hard to defend that. And yeah, I really do think that Anybody who was lucky enough to uh, snag him uh, before he got too expensive or uh, really blew up, um, you know, were are some very lucky lucky people. So, yeah, and I I really like Giambrosa what he's done with his team. As much as we've given him just a ton of crap for his trades, I mean, going back to Odell Beckham Jr., how has that, that worked out? Other than the first week uh, that he traded him and lost to him, blowing up. The Browns just look awful. And he so, cursed him. He, I think he did. Curse, I know. think he did, yeah. And he still has loaded wide receivers, even after losing all three of those, Julio Jones and everyone. And now he's got a good group of running backs. Joe Mixon, Marlon Mack, Jordan Howard as a running back three, and still Duke Johnson on the bench if he ever starts to pan out. I mean, he's done a pretty good job for himself. Definitely. Marlon Mack, I've honestly liked a lot. I I hope that he can stay healthy. He seems a bit injury prone, but he's definitely been putting up some very solid numbers. And like you said, his wide receiving core, um, T.Y. didn't have a great week this week, but he's definitely showed rapport with uh, um, Brissett already. And so you wouldn't have to necessarily uh, worry too much about him. And Allen Robinson, you know, hopefully uh, – you know, for Giambrosa's sake, uh, Trubisky doesn't come back anytime soon because it looks like Chase <laughs> uh, Daniel is really, really loving Robinson. So, um, yeah, he's he's definitely got a very solid team. And um, even the fact that um, he went um, safe and upside, if uh, as they call it, with his uh, quarterback picks and has Tom Brady and Jameis. And um, Jameis has shown, obviously, not the... Uh, <laughs> the safest of floors, but has um, definitely put up some very, very high ceiling play. And so, um, you know, having those couple options that he can kind of swap back and forth to for matchups and uh, what what you will, uh, you know, he's definitely going to have uh, a pretty uh, strong team, I think, uh, throughout the season this year. So, And he's got Drew Brees on IR. He's loaded at quarterback. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah, he could easily turn it around. Uh, watch out for him and Adam Jeffrey. Uh, I think both of them, 
as much as they'll complain about how they were losing, kind of like you too, because I like your team too. The three of you guys got off to like a really bad start, but I could really see you guys turning around as the season goes on. Whereas like my team, I guess let's just, we might as well go to my matchup because my team I think is trending downwards. At least that's what it feels like to me. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I think you're doing fine. All right. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It could be worse. Uh, I did get blown out by Tedro. Um, this was a week removed from me giving Tedro a lot of crap for his Kittle trade, which still was well-deserved. Sorry, Tedro. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, we just saw what Kittle can do. Right. But I think karma-wise, I probably did deserve that. So this was really largely because of his wide receivers and a guy by the name of Will Fuller, who had three touchdowns, put up 46. Good? I think it's okay. That's that's pretty pretty insane, I've got to say. I haven't seen uh, – those are usually like uh, Julio numbers, um, you know, three touchdowns, <sighs> yeah, seriously. 217, 14 catches. You know, that's astronomical, honestly. That's crazy. I mean – the air yards were there through the first few weeks. They were trying to get it to Fuller, and it didn't work. You didn't expect this well to work out, though. <laughs> so no I kid. doubt he ever hits those numbers again, but he'll still be a good receiver going forwards. Uh, I mean, on that offense, it'll be rough if Kenny Stills comes back because he steals some of those targets away from Fuller. But, Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how many more games that um, you know, he can put up like that. You know, uh, part of me wants to say, well, well, of course, you know, he's not going to be putting up numbers like that every week. But at the same time, um, he's proven in the past that he really does have that rapport built up with Deshaun. And I mean, last year before he got hurt, he had a touchdown in every single game that he had played um, with Deshaun um, that he was healthy in. So. Um, you know, he's a player to watch out for. Definitely. He, uh, you know, he's a very nice little add on to, uh, um, Tedro's little combination of, uh, Edelman and, uh, Calvin Ridley. So, yeah, both of them had pretty good weeks too. And you can add Gurley into that mix, had another good week in a row. Um, he's, they've been using Gurley a little bit more, um, feeling a little bit more confident in using Gurley. How do you feel on him rest of the season? Um, actually, I was going to just mention to you, uh, as we were talking, I was getting uh, an update from Sleeper. Uh, and mind you, Wednesday is usually the uh, veteran rest day, but um, it I got a notification from Sleeper saying Rams running back Todd Gurley was a, did not practice today with a quad injury. Now, Usually I wouldn't look into that too much, but at the same time, if they're specifying an injury as opposed to just saying, you know, it's a veteran's rest day or, you know, we're giving him a break or, you know, whatever they say, you know, they're kind of uh, pointing at it actually being something as opposed to being nothing. And so, you know, it's fantasy football and we're all going to read into everything entirely too much, but that might be a thing to watch out for if I was Tedro. So who owns Malcolm Brown in our league? Um, I was actually just looking at that and I don't believe it is Tedro actually. It's Adam Jeffrey. I just found it. it. 
Oh my gosh. And you know, what's funny is I remember him changing his nickname to one injury away. Yeah. It's all coming back to me now. If, uh, (laughs) yeah, I wonder who the unlucky soul that gets to face Adam Jeffrey this week is. Oh, Oh. wait, it's me. Oh, (laughs) there we go. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. I could be his rebound win. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, We need the we need a cough button like they have on uh, the important pods. You know the uh, the big timers they have their um, little pause cough button. So every time they they're about to cough, they can just hit this little button and it mutes them for like two seconds or however long. So yeah, we're not that high tech here yet. <laughs> hey, keyword yet? Yet yeah, we're gonna blow up because. We are going to have a maximum audience size of 12 people. And (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's funny because Anchor asked me if I want to sponsor the podcast. I'm like, really? I mean, no, no one's going to want to sponsor this. No one listens to this. (laughs) Right. We uh, will probably have like some uh, some random token listeners throughout the year, I'm sure. But. Um, yeah, they'll, I, they'll sure. start playing it like, oh, a new fantasy podcast. Wait, this is about people I don't care about. <laughs> well, you do care. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, we'll get a huge fan base and we'll all become superstars. I can't wait. Sounds Everyone like will be rooting for our teams and it'll be great. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Can't blame you. Uh, what I'm not excited <laughs> about was... My team pretty much, well, half the team scored under 10 points. Philip Lindsay had another good day. Actually, so did Fournette. So my top two running backs both had good days. Happy with that. Brissett was disappointing because of how well the Colts played. Uh, my wide receivers, no one broke 10 points. And LaShawn McCoy was awful. But hey, at least I had the kicker of the week, Justin Tucker, 16 points. It's the little things. It really is. I think that's been my most earned award on these little weekly reports is the kicker of the week. So uh, that's a shout out to Justin Tucker. Hey, the guy is honestly one of the best kickers of all time. So he has an amazing opera voice, too. Have you ever seen him do that? I have. Um, uh, um, Pat McAfee had him on and uh, made him like sing a note or two and i was baffled by what i heard i i had to youtube it to make sure that it was actually you know justin tucker's face producing that noise because it was something phenomenal yeah it's insane to be that talented in two different things come on that's just not fair he should just like uh you know maybe like hum to himself in a very uh or maybe just do like a a quick little opera noise as he runs up to kick the ball i'm sure the uh you know the edge rushers should be like what the hell is going on right now you know he'd probably buy himself an extra second or two there maybe so if they ever run a fake field goal that'd be perfect yeah oh my gosh yeah he should just run to the side and start singing and people will just totally lose focus Oh, yeah. I think we figured out the new Ravens game plan going forward. Lamar Jackson hasn't looked as accurate. We're just going to put Tucker out there and let him sing. There we go. Sounds like uh, you and me are talking our way into a coaching gig here before too long. So 
I think so. Harbaugh's got to leave at some point, right? So That's what I was thinking. Right. Out with the old, in with the new. Anything else you want to touch on in this matchup? Um, I do think that uh, you're going to be having some continued success with Leonard Fournette, um, regardless of the uh, quarterback situation at hand. Um, I also, well, Phil Lindsay obviously has shown that he's definitely, you know, a, a very viable player. But, um, you know, I think that you have two very strong um, running backs that are going to be helpful. And uh, this was just unfortunately one of those weeks where, you know, you weren't able to get the performance that, you know, really has been pretty consistent out of, you know, most of the guys that you have. So um, I really think that uh, you have a very good flex option over um, LaShawn McCoy and uh, Tevin Coleman. Yeah, Coleman's back now, and he had a pretty good week, too. I didn't expect that right away. Right. I'm still really excited for McLaurin. I know that there's going to be the weird question at who's quarterback rest of season. And now they've got a new head coach that apparently wants to run the ball, even though they're going to be behind all the time. But uh, he's got a pretty decent schedule coming up. I mean, obviously Miami this week. I'm kind of excited for how that's going to work out. Definitely. I think uh, this week could be... um... You know, I hate to say it, but uh, depending on where the Redskins' rest of season will go, um, if McLaurin blows up this week, it could be a sell-high opportunity for him. So, Well, you know. I just did, not to go too off-topic, but the poll that I posted in chat last night, because there's that thing in fantasy where any of your waiver pickups or guys you made along the way, you get that special attachment to, so you're kind of biased and don't want to give them up. Of so. I had made a trade in another league where I gave up Terry McLaurin along with Robert Woods and Sony Michelle to get Devonte Adams and David Montgomery. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure if I want, I mean, on paper, I think everyone has said that I win, but I'm just, I love Devonte Adams. So I think he'll help that team a lot. But yeah. uh, David Montgomery versus Sony Michelle is kind of where I'm not sure of if I'll get the better side of that or not. Well, I think that this week was kind of an outlier for Sony with uh, Burkhead being out because they really like to use just every running back that they have in that arsenal. So, um, you know, it really could have been a good opportunity for you to get David Montgomery, who found Pater this last week also. So, um, you know, I think that obviously, well, yeah, we're Packers fans. We're going to say that the Devontae side was definitely a, a win there, but, um, you know, I, I think that was a solid trade for you. So it was unanimous in our league. Uh, seven people voted and they all picked the Devante side. So it made me feel way better about it. And go. to make things even better, it was uh, one of my family leagues. And the person on the other side of the trade was my own brother. So nice. anytime you, you get to get that sibling rivalry going. So I oh. really hope I do win that trade. Oh, definitely. Any. Any little upper hand that you can get over a brother or sister is just love it. Gotta love it. Of course. So we got, what, two matchups here. Let's look at our Fisher Sports here because he had a huge blowout game as well. Um, Obviously, with his newly obtained Christian McCaffrey, who got 44.7 points. Kyler Murray also had a great day. Uh, I would be remiss to not call Kyler the GOAT because clearly he's the greatest of all time, and that's why it took him this long to get his first win. 
Right. That's uh, that's how everybody uh, starts off their miraculous career is by not winning right off the bat, right? But yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was definitely a, a nice little turnaround game for the uh, the Cardinals getting their first dub of the season, and um, um, you know it may have been against a pretty depleted Cincinnati team, but a win is a win, and uh, you know Kyler putting up. Uh, I think it was 10 for 93 and a touchdown rushing, you know, on the ground. You know, if he can uh, really continue to kind of have that be a part of Arizona's game plan and uh, just as, uh, you know, being an X factor in that offense, I think that'll be huge. So, yeah. And all jokes aside, I I just like to give uh, Fisher a hard time about Kyler Murray and all of his goat talk, but he does look really good, and he's got a really easy schedule coming up, too, with Atlanta, the Giants. Saints will be interesting. I mean, you expect the Saints to probably blow out the Cardinals, so he'll have to throw a lot. Could put up big points there, too. So it just makes Fisher look all the more scary, just like Amari Cooper's performance, 34.1 on the day. He had that ridiculous huge catch at the end of the, that Packers game. That yeah. was really embarrassing. Yes, yes, it was. I uh, I am definitely very frightened at um, Fisher Sports teams because if you look at his uh, his roster, really the only places where he had down weeks were players that really you know are going to come back and you know play fine. Um, Damian Williams, I think, is going to be more than okay in that Kansas City offense. Um, you know, is a down week for you know all their or you know uh, Lashawn McCoy as well, and so. You know, it wasn't like he was being outshone by anyone. And um, obviously the uh, the only other down player was uh, Julio, who, um, you know, is a decent receiver who uh, should be able to bounce back just fine. So, yeah, he's decent. I'd say Julio's at least OK. Yeah, he, he's he's just 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 all right. You know, yeah. And he's got Tyreek Hill coming back sooner rather than later. If he's not back this week, it's starting to sound like at least the week after that. So it's right. it's going to be tough sledding against Fisher Sports in upcoming weeks. Definitely, um, we're uh, we're just going to have to hope that you know his uh, tradesman side gets the best of him, and he just has to trade away some valuable part of his team. Yeah, and uh, on the other side of things for Coys, he probably has to have the most frustrating group of wide receivers to deal with. Yes. Uh, headlined by Odell Beckham Jr., another dud week, two in a row now, and being one of the best receivers in the league, but the Browns look terrible, can't get the ball to him. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster had a decent week, but he's on his third-string quarterback, and it's, the offense is not looking good. And, of course, Stefan Diggs, who as if it wasn't bad enough that they don't want to throw the ball there, he had to add more drama to it, missing practices, getting fined, and all that murkiness being added to the mix. It has to be just so annoying to have so many big names that are just not producing for him. It is uh, definitely an underwhelming group of receivers, especially with uh, kind of how they came into the season. Um you know, Curtis Samuel had definitely flashed at the the end of last season, um, you know, with um, chemistry that he had built up with Cam. And then, you know, Cam obviously forgot how to play football this year. And so that definitely took a toll on uh, Samuel's value. And, 
you know, he really hasn't shown as much of a rapport built with uh, Jake Allen or anything just yet. And the fact that he also has Stefan Diggs, who is probably one of the, uh, you know, the busts of the draft, depending on where, you know, you valued him and where you drafted him. I hope, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, he wasn't before the third or fourth round, but even, you know, around then is still, uh, still pretty rough. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a definitely a, a hard group to watch. And when you trade for a guy like Odell and um, really win that trade, or so we thought, and then it turns around and this guy is, you know, playing, you know, unlike he's really ever played, you know, he's just really been underperforming. You know, it's just so disappointing. So, so hopefully for Koi's sake, He's still at two and three in that huge group of two and three teams. He can still turn it around if his receivers can start doing something to live up to their names. Um, I still think he can win that OBJ trade because in reality, all he did really was downgrade from Marlon Mack to Sony Michelle and then also got a potential top receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., which obviously he needs at least that shot with how Stefan Diggs and Juju have been doing for him. Exactly. Yep. Agreed. All right, so we just got one last matchup here. Uh, no Sleep tonight versus JDGG. After a slow start, No Sleep finally put up a huge day scoring. He got 150 points, well, 150.7 if you want to be specific. Uh, it's because Adam Thielen woke up after he was angry about the Vikings not passing. He got 28.5 points. Cooper Cup is literally the only person that Jared Goff knows how to throw to. Got 22.2 points. So really, most of the day was on the shoulders of those two wide receivers. But Devontae Freeman has started to do a little bit better. He still hasn't looked impressive, but he's really been the only guy that they're using. So seeing that volume, he's been starting to produce a little bit more. But you got to feel like he wishes he was getting a little bit more out of Zeke. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been... Uh kind of a underwhelming year for uh, Zeke owners, I think. And the fact that, um, you know, he's had his big games, but he's also really just kind of, um, you know, we've seen in past years him string together, you know, weeks and weeks of, you know, 30 plus 25 plus scoring. Um, and it's, you know, what you draft him so high for. It's really, uh, it's been a little bit of uh hit or miss this year, you know, definitely not the same, uh, same numbers we've, uh, we've been used to seeing out of him anyway. So he has not broken 20 points yet in our league scoring. That is pretty wild. You would think that, you know, even at half point, he would be averaging, you know, right around 20 to 25 points. But, you know, with that offense, um, really trying to air the ball out, a lot more than um, I think anybody expected, especially with Kellen Moore um, kind of uh, having the reins to that offense. You know, he's not the <laughs> the type of um, coordinator who's really going to be just relying on the run constantly. You know, he's going to want to, uh, you know, work the ball into guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb. And, you know, they do have some decent weapons there. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's understandable why they're throwing the ball, but you know I'm sure uh, Zeke owners are not too uh, keen on it. So, 
Yeah, but I, at least he's got a really solid floor. Uh, he hasn't scored below 12 points at all this season. So he's always putting forth anywhere from like uh, average uh, effort to decent. Like you're never really like too upset. He's not ruining any games for you. You just wish that he was having those big games, which I'm sure will still come at some point. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have for no sleep here? Well, his bench really didn't have anything going on between injuries and bye weeks. So it was kind of hard for him not to set a good lineup. Um, but he does have Kenny Galladay coming back. Kenny Galladay with Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, Josh Gordon. He's got really good receivers on this team. Yes, he does. That uh, that depth there is definitely going to be one of the uh, the high points for him, you know, throughout the season. Um, you know, they're, uh, I especially love Galladay, honestly. I'm a very big fan of uh, Kenny. He's really, honestly, probably one of the best route runners in the league right now. Um, he's very fun to watch. He's got great rapport with, uh, with Stafford, obviously. And, um, you know, like you said, the fact that, you know, <laughs> that's just complimenting Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, and Josh Gordon. Well, it's, that's a pretty dangerous group there. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, Kenny Galladay or OBJ rest of season. Oh man. Honestly, I might have to take Kenny G. Um, I love Odell Beckham, and I know that he is a player that when he flashes, he's going to put up, you know, 30 points. He's an unreal, unreal athlete. But at the same time, I think that Freddie Kitchens might not be, you know, it's early, but I think that Freddie Kitchens might not exactly either be the right fit for that offense or the, the offense obviously is just not meshing well at this point in time. And if, you know, the fantasy season is, is shorter than obviously the, the football season. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if you're needing wins sooner than later, and you know, you're not wanting to wait on an offense and a quarterback to figure out kind of, uh, how each other is working and, you know, um, you know, where each other is going to be on the field. You know, we've seen flashes, but we haven't seen consistency. So I honestly would probably have to say uh, Kenny G. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, I know we're still early in the season. Kenny G did have that one down week against the Eagles. Uh, Marvin Jones was the receiver in that game. You have to wonder if they'll flip more later this season or not but more often than not it's ben galladay has been the guy and i mean he he looks every bit the part so i actually think we found may have found a good trade partner for phonet we got someone that's loaded on receivers here phonet's loaded on running backs i mean he's got zeke and freeman but behind those two he's i mean he started naeem hines which wasn't bad uh thought process considering the matchup, but really behind that, I mean, Devin Singletary, whenever he decides to come back, he might be able to pan out. Um, but yeah, I think they should get on that. Yeah. That, uh, that's a very, very smart move there. I think for both of them, um, just the fact that that would be beneficial to really both sides and they'd be able to honestly 
really work out a pretty uh, high caliber trade with the uh, the firepower that but really both of them have on their team so make it happen you heard it here first right all right then let's look at jdgg the only other one in four team in the league right alongside adam jeffrey so i think they kind of deserve it though because they're both seahawks fans and so i think it's kind of there's a reason they're one in four it's karma i believe yeah i think that's what they call it right people don't forget about those uh those blown calls you know, man, I just had a PTSD from the 2014 NFC championship game. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't even watch the Super Bowl that year. Oh, me either. Actually, I really honest to God did not. It, it was too painful. Yeah, hurt. it was so bad. And then the Seahawks couldn't even do the decency of running the ball at the goal line. You know, you think if you're like six to 12 inches away from, you know, somewhere where you can uh win a game you'd just be like hey you know i'm just gonna run this in real quick instead of hey i'm gonna throw this to the other team but hey let's not get into semantics so yeah i mean that marshawn lynch guy not too shabby yeah i mean i heard he was kind of good at running people over once upon a time so you know it was kind of a head scratcher that they wouldn't you know be like hey you know run someone over since you're pretty dang close to where you need to be so yeah i mean i think i don't know maybe it was just a rumor but i think he was a big reason of how they got to the super bowl two that year rumor has it all right well we've given them enough uh enough seahawks (laughs) hassling there so uh speaking of the seahawks jdgg does have a lot of them uh chris carson looked good second week in a row even if things start to go downwards again for chris carson he does have that safety net of Rashad Penny on his bench at the very least. Um, but Will Disley at tight end, he's starting to look like they like Will Disley, and he's one of the more trustworthy tight ends you can get now. Um, DK Metcalf did okay. Uh, is really the touchdown saved his game. He has really fallen off from what we were hoping he'd turn into. A lot of that hype's gone towards Will Disley, I feel like. Right. And then Chris Godwin is amazing for what three out of four weeks now Mm -hmm. he's just had a a crazy score so it hasn't been a good few weeks for jdgg uh barkley is hopefully back sooner than later that's going to help out the team a lot i know that he's also been really busy with that board exam which i think has interfered a little bit with him being able to participate in chat and maybe make all the moves he'd like to make so he's dug himself into a little bit of a hole here but I think he can still dig himself out with the right moves. What do you think the worst part about this team is? I'm thinking probably the wide receiver depth. Yeah, I was just going to say, looking at it now, I, I honestly would say um, he definitely needs to hit the waiver wire and start really trying to build up a little bit of depth for the wide receiver. Maybe even think about, um, you know, maybe like uh, getting rid of Will Disley, as unfortunate as that may sound, um, just to try to... Uh, snag a, a little upgrade at um wide receiver um you know having chris godwin you know he could pull a uh deep south drift and give away his uh his best guy and try to get three players that you know can really uh help him out i will say he does have aj green on the ir i don't know when green will be back and even when he does come back i'm not sure how he'll be 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it is a contract year for Green. So maybe when he does get back and he's healthy, he still does put in a best effort. And they do like to throw the ball a lot in the, on the Bengals with the new head coach, and they're always behind because their defense is trash. So, I mean, that is something he can hold on to hope for. But I maybe trading a star player for some depth isn't the worst idea just because he's so thin. Exactly. That's uh, that's definitely what I was thinking. That's going to cover our matchups. I think we went into pretty good detail on everyone here. Just a quick look at the standings. Obviously, Phonet at the top, 5-0. and Fisher Sports right behind him at 4-1. and Then we've got three 3-2 three and two teams between Deep South Thrift, 404 Found, and myself. Then we got a big group of two and three. Uh, that's sort of five teams that are two and three, led by yourself and Tedro, No Sleep Tonight, Giambrosa, Coys. Then in the basement, Adam Jeffrey and JDGG at one and four. So still really early in the season, anything can happen. It's really anyone's game from here. Definitely. It's, uh, that's the best part about fantasy football, though, is just the fact that, you know, as long as you're, you know, checking waivers and making moves, you know, it, as long as it's not like week 10, you know, you can really kind of turn things around and, uh, you know, still make some moves and try to uh, get to the playoffs. So, all right, great. Then uh, all we have left to cover for last week are the waivers. We already covered the top bid, Gerald Everett, a little bit earlier. Um, I had to fill a need at tight end due to my injuries at tight end. So I was able to snag him for $17. The next highest bid, Deep South bid up $6 on the Baltimore defense. He's got a lot of fab to spend, so I don't, can't fault him too much for spending up on that defense. Then uh, Fisher Sports, this one was interesting. So Gallman went out with a concussion last week, and uh, Hillman will be filling in for Gallman. Fisher Sports grabs him for $3, but must have misclicked or something because he ended up dropping two players to get him. I saw that. That was interesting. And... One was a kicker, but the other one was Pollard, who he had just made a move for a couple weeks ago and spent up on him, too. So I'm not sure if that was the misclick or if he did want to drop Pollard. Who knows? But um, I think he'll be okay regardless. Yeah, he's a man of mystery, but uh, I'm not feeling too terrible for his team. Uh, looking at the uh, the depth that that guy has, I think that... You know, maybe he did that just to open up another spot so he can pick someone up in the morning or something. But hey, who knows? I mean, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll hear from him sooner or later in the chat. Yeah. So he'll make room for a pending trade offer, right? Of course, of course. And then uh, the last three we had were all for your team. You picked up Devonte Parker, Darius Clayton, and the Chargers defense, all for just a couple bucks. Um, are you going to play any of those guys this week? I'm debating on um slayton actually just in the the fact that that offense is really depleted right now um they uh you know not having uh engram this week obviously like you had mentioned with the uh the mcl strain i believe it is and um saquon not being able to come back and gallman being in protocol you know that really really is uh, taking away just about any option that, you know, uh, Dan Jones is going to have for that game. And so, you know, with Slayton putting up the numbers he did last week, he, he showed that, you know, he can be, you know, that receiver if need be. And so, 
Yeah, you yeah. got Devontae Parker in currently, which I can't fault you for against that that weird Miami Washington matchup. Both defenses yeah. are bad. Miami's going to have to throw between Parker and Preston Williams. You figure one of them will probably have a decent day. It's a wide receiver three play. It's not too bad. Um, but yeah, I can see the argument for Slayton too. They still got Golden Tate, but you figure they're going to have Gilmore take care of Golden Tate or the Patriots are going to take away Tate because he's the only real threat. So that's going to cover all of our week five action as we head into week six. Like, How's your experience been in the league so far? I love the league, honestly. Um, this is uh, definitely kind of what I envisioned. Um, you know, when I started fantasy football, I was, uh, you know, looking at a lot of uh, very competitive leagues with a lot of um, a lot of guys who had, you know, a lot of money on on their teams and were really, you know, all or nothing in this, and they were, you know, not really conversating outside of the the actual uh you know just like matchups or anything like that and the occasional uh, good luck and stuff like that you know it was never you know not a lot of trades were going on and um it was just kind of uh you know everybody's you know kind of out for themselves and so it's been honestly really refreshing to have um you know a, a not only a competitive league but a competitive league where we all can kind of uh converse about obviously you know most of us are in you know some other leagues and are able to get kind of community advice and be able to uh you know have that camaraderie and stuff and be able to chat with guys from you know everywhere from arizona to wisconsin to uh you know the uk to australia so uh you know it's um i i really love the the diversity in the league and the fact that everybody has been just really kind and, um, you know, very talkative and, um, active in the, the chat and everything. It's, it's been a lot of fun. So. Yeah. I do like that. It, it has doubled as, uh, like an advice group. It's like, we have our own little fantasy consultant group for all of our other leagues too. I think exactly. that's been a really cool added benefit. Oh, definitely. And the fact that, um, honestly like i've you know it's pretty easy to see you know with the uh um how everybody's team is shaping up and how so many teams are tied for second place essentially you know it's uh um you know it's it's a knowledgeable league like everybody i think has uh has definitely had a, a pretty good background in fantasy football and has uh you know shown that you know they are you know, really capable of giving some pretty awesome advice. And so I, I am very happy to always go to the, the group with, uh, you know, any questions that I have for uh, any other leagues and, and everything like that. So. Yeah, it's been super helpful, especially in those situations where, you know, you're either being too stingy on your side or maybe you're too attached to a player or, if you're feeling really desperate, it's always just nice to get that unbiased opinion to set you straight. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, when you're too close to something, it's, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to see. And so, like you said, getting that outsider's perspective is always handy. So. All right. Well then we've gone on pretty long here. I don't want to make people have to listen to us any longer. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if they've even gotten this far, why don't you close us out for the day? All righty. Well, from the uh, Fantasy Football Owners League, um, we are signing off. This is Sam Fran 23 and Wolfie, and we will be in touch. Have a good week, boys. Sounds good. Good luck to everyone, and you have a good night, Sam. You too. Take care.